Good morning and welcome back to the podcast talking about Achieve Career Prep Academy and our history classes that are going on during our year of virtual learning or our half year or however long we're going to be in this in this context in this in this process um, so today's section is for world history so if you are not in world history feel free to feel free to stay on the pod but you don't have to stay this information isn't going to necessarily help you in your current class with me however future reference it might uh, today's section is going to be all about the Enlightenment. The Enlightenment is one of the biggest movements to happen probably in the history of the world simply because the Enlightenment opens up people's eyes and it brings about this new level of character and change in which we, st in which we start. The Enlightenment doesn't start naturally on its own, though. We don't just start thinking about this change as to how a government should work. Instead, it starts with something called the Scientific Revolution. The Scientific Revolution is where you have guys like Galileo and all Kant going out and kind of, hey, we need to stop. We need to stop taking everything, uh, you know, based on what the Bible said and start looking at, you know, hey, why? does this happen and why do these things the reason why they are so closely linked is that basically we took this idea that said god creates everything so don't question anything and we put that in the physical world with scientific revolution so we figured out what gravity was we figured out that the sun or the earth rotates around the sun instead of the sun rotating around the earth. We figure out all these other things because of the scientific revolution. And then the enlightenment kind of trails behind and says, listen, if we can have those problems with uh, natural laws, which are laws that we can't fix, what about the way in which we do things? If we realize that those same issues apply still here today, then guess what? Those same issues apply not only in science, but they apply in the way we think. And in the 1600s is when this all kind of starts getting kicked off. It's going to get kicked off by two guys, one named Thomas Hobbes and the other named John Locke. Uh, Thomas Hobbes, he is going to lay out this idea and he's going to believe that we have a social contract uh, with our government. And basically that social contract says this, and that is that we are able to give up our freedom as for a government so that that government can uh, protect us. Because in Thomas Hobbes' op opinion, we need a strong government for one major, major reason. People are awful. And because people are awful, if there's no government to stop the awfulness, then there's no government that can help us in any way, shape, or form. And we need to make sure that we kind of focus on that and kind of push through. And a government can protect us. So we give up our rights government protects us, people are bad, so we need protection from people. It's a, com it's a complicated way of saying that basically Hobbes thinks people suck, and because people suck, we need a better way of solving the solution. John Locke kind of comes in afterwards, he's like, eh, I don't think people are naturally bad. I think people, when they're born, are good. And when they're, because people are, when they're born, are good, they have certain rights that we need to follow through on. And those rights include life, liberty, and they also include the idea of property. Tom, John Locke is going to sit there and he's going to say, listen, people form government to protest these natural rights. The best kind of government is limited power and it has to be accepted by all the people. At the time, and this is kind of what we have here and today, we are founded a lot based on the, idea, on the ideas of John Locke. But that is what 
you know, when he comes through and with this magical idea that nobody ever thought could happen and he comes up with it and he goes, wait a minute, we need to fix this, that, and the other thing. People are like, you're crazy, John Locke. And now that is how we run our world today is which we let people make decisions and the government kind of fall, is supposed to fall in line with the people. After all of them go through there, go through this process, those two guys come out. In France in the 1700s, there's a big uprising, and there's this group of people called the Philosophs. And basically, they're philosophers. That What they decided to do is they were going to write book after book about how we need to change the government and how it needs to look. And we're going to start with the first guy. His name is Montesquieu. And Montesquieu comes up with this idea called separation of powers. He says we need to have different departments essentially within your government that run how the government work. Not one person should have all the power. And if we can have these different groups, you know, if we can have somebody make the laws and then somebody decide if those laws are okay and then somebody do this, that way not one person is above how everything else looks. Because at the time when you have an absolute monarchy, one person is in charge of everything. They are the judge, the jury, and the and the executioner at the same time. And with that process, what that leads to is corruption. So Montesquieu says, listen, we need to spread things out. We need to make it so that multiple people can run it. Great idea. Voltaire then steps in there. Voltaire steps in and says, listen, the government has no place to tell me where I think or how I think or anything like that. I am allowed to have my opinion. And these uh, ideas of having your out, of having your own opinion are a very big deal because back then you were supposed to just do as you were say and leave it there. I think a lot of us would struggle in that old way of, excuse me, of doing things because it's not okay. It's not right. Uh, from there, you get a guy named Deirdreau. He is going to uh, write the first encyclopedias. And as he writes the first encyclopedias, he's going to push through and kind of change the way we think, giving access to what is regular to the everyday person. Rousseau comes in then next with the social contract. And again, same thing as Hobbes' social contract. The social contract is a group of people that we have the right to decide who our government is. We have the right to push through that. Okay, now women in the Enlightenment are kind of left out. Women believe, obviously, they should also get free rights. They should get these different ideas and everything of that nature. But women, unfortunately, still are going to struggle for trying to get the rights that they deserve for a long time. The Enlightenment, unfortunately, doesn't really help them in as many ways as you would think it would. You would think that the Enlightenment would kind of push through that. Now, I need to pick up the pace a little bit because I'm going to run out of time on my own podcast talking about this. But that brings us into the next step, which so we looked at government. Now we got to look at economics. Uh, basically, there was this system going around that was called mercantilism. You'll read more about that in your book. I don't want to spend too much times uh, focused on it, but the idea with economics in there was that we should have this laissez-faire government, which means our hand, the government should have no influ influence on our business. The government should stay out of it. It's not their place. And 
Adam Smith then comes around and he argues that there should be a complete free market and that we should sit there and be able to uh, trade with who we want to trade with, do what, charge what we want to charge with this support. And this book, The Wealth of Nations, is actually going to go ahead and kind of really, really push ideas. As these ideas start to spread, you're going to see a big change in the way people start writing and how they start attacking censorship and say, you can't censor what I say because I'm allowed to have these thoughts. You're gonna start having these saloons pop up, which are basically gathering places for us to sit here and talk about all the problems with society. And after about a hundred years of people arguing and complaining for this, we're gonna get our first couple of people who step up to the plate and really say, this is what was good. These enlightened despots, as they are called, they are absolute rulers who lessened their power on their own so that they could kind of fall in line with these enlightened thoughts. The first one was Frederick the Great. And he sits saying, listen, Voltaire's right. I shouldn't have all this power. I should be known as a servant of the state. I should not make the state my servant. I should serve the state. And in that serving of the state, what I should do is we need to do what we can to get everybody where they need to go. He believed in religious toleration. He believed in pretty much everything that Voltaire did. And he wanted to make an efficient system that made sense. His ideas worked and Prussia became very uh, famous under his, under his realm. Then you have Catherine the Great who steps in at Russia and she kind of is in the same way. She's going to say, listen, you can no longer torture people in their land for their religious beliefs. We are going to increase or we're going to decrease our restrictions. She granted uh, nobles their rights and she spoke out against this policy called serfdom in which people essentially lived as slaves and in that slavery they couldn't get out there was the system where you were stuck and there was no way out of your system so if you were born a night you died a night you couldn't go down and you couldn't go up joseph ii is also another one of these kings and he takes over in austria and he really works to modernize he decided instead of going with people who were born into roles and born into positions, that he is going to go with people who are actually qualified. And he makes the middle class a big part of his qualification and what he wants to see within the people in that country. That is all I'm going to go into on this. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out. This is a quick synopsis this week because, honestly, I could talk for three hours about this stuff and the impact that it had on not only – uh, these countries in Europe, but what it meant for us here in the United States. We will be getting into that as we go on. Thank you very much for your time and have a great, wonderful rest of your day.